Welcome to The Pipeline, all things CD and DevOps podcasts by the CD Foundation. I am your host, Jacqueline Salinas, and today I am joined by Jimmy McNamara and Ava Fitzmorris from Fidelity for episode eight of season two. And today our main topic is going to be about the case study from Fidelity, enabling 12,000 developers with a pipeline as code platform. Thank you so much, Ava and Jimmy, for joining us today. Jimmy is a product manager of software engineering within enterprise cloud computing at Fidelity Investment. He is responsible for the application lifecycle management area with a current focus on multi-cloud support. Jimmy has 22 years of experience across a variety of industries with a focus on engineering and technology excellence. Ava is an architect for enterprise cloud computing at Fidelity. She works with various teams that are responsible for evolving and providing the application lifecycle management platforms for the firm. Prior to this, she worked as a systems engineer, infrastructure manager, and product owner in various companies. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Today, Ava and Jimmy will take us through a journey on how Fidelity Investments plan to roll out a pipeline as code capability to 12,000 developers, leveraging cloud-based Kubernetes platform to ensure best operational outcomes. The team is driven to enable this best practice capability across Fidelity. This capability is key to assisting the growth of both an inner sourcing and open sourcing culture throughout the firm. Welcome, Ava and Jimmy. And as we always do, we're kicking off the episode with the segment called My DevOps Journey. Ava, uh, tell us about your DevOps journey. Sure. So I suppose that when I started with um, the whole journey, I'm probably, what is the poacher turned gamekeeper, that kind of uh, phrase. But essentially, I was a consumer of the services that are being provided, um, the old kind of stack that was there before. Uh, I worked in a market data division. So we were essentially doing uh, development for our services. So we were kind of leveraging then the various different DevOps services that were available uh, and pushing our code out. And then as kind of opportunities came and with organizational changes and things like that, um, I got into the ALM kind of team, uh, started in product ownership, I suppose, and then moved into architecture. So currently an architect over at the ALM space. Great. Thank you. And Jimmy, what about you? What was your DevOps journey like? Yeah. So again, I probably started as a developer um, and then kind of, you know, had a really good interest in systems, platforms. <clears throat> and then um, in, in the company prior to Fidelity, started to really work in this area and actually developed a really good end-to-end um, uh, DevOps uh, capability and really had a, a big interest in it. And then joined Fidelity, joined as as a man as a technical manager over platforms, then moved into the LM area, took on product ownership for an area, and then just really interested in um, the the various capabilities and, and tools associated with it and, and interested in it and kind of in the sense that, you know, you know, a really good um, plat or DevOps plat platform can really help gear and accelerate an organization and then took over as product manager of this area. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a similar to if it's moving from developer 
with a really interested in platforms and systems and then um, getting into this area and, um, you know, getting deeper and deeper into it. Thank you so much. Today's main topic is enable a pipeline as code capability for 12,000 developers. It's a case study that Fidelity presented at CDCon 2020 last year. Um, today, we're going to be diving deeper into this. Um, so can you set the stage of how this came about? Yeah, so um, for us and this probably talks to, uh, you know, what ALN means in the organization. So um, for us, you know, we deal with a large um, amount of users. The scale of Fidelity operates is, is, is very, very large. And we're very focused on enabling best practices um, on our platforms. Um, and, and we're focused on ensuring their enterprise strength. And one of the key areas that is um, important to us is that CICD um, area and pipeline as code is is uh, a, you know an implementation of best practice in that area. So again, we're very much focused on um, standing up enterprise tent capabilities, but also making sure that people are efficient and reusability is a key to that. So um, you know, and and pipeline as code as this industry is evolving, pipeline as code is is a um, very important. Um, uh, capability to establish, you know, especially as um, uh, DevOps and the platforms are being stretched. You know, there's 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 a lot of things happening in terms of software development. There's agile. There is um, the move towards Kubernetes and microservices, and the underlying platforms themselves are having to deal with more and more volume. And it's really, really important for us to actually uh, build out sustainable platforms, both in sense, both in terms of scalability. But also in terms of sustainability of the practice, and that's where we see Python as code has been key. And it's something that we're very keen on enabling, um, both in terms of it as being a bad practice, and also we see it as an efficient way um, for folks within the organization to share um, and really get to the point of producing business value, getting, getting, accelerating um, the developer's ability to get to the point of producing business value. Um, as fast as possible. Uh, I was just going to pop in there and say it's, it's probably a key thing, right, as well, that, I mean, Jimmy, it's fair to say that the industry is kind of accelerating over, you know, the cycles have gotten much reduced, right? So we had like a, like when we started, there was a, a different stack entirely that was being leveraged across the firm. And now we're kind of going to another kind of cycle again it seems like it was like seven eight years before it was then reduced to five and now it seems to be two or three years you know everything gets reduced and if you want to cope with that level of churn in terms of like the tools that you're using you need to kind of go to an everything as code approach in order to be mm -hmm. able to ride that wave you know yeah exactly yeah you need to kind of bake in and in, in interoperability as much as possible because you know it's like it's um you need to be able to swap in swap out these tools based on their you know ability to provide the best capability um and you know everything is called is a key neighbor of that yeah all right so talk to me about how fidelity is enabling alm for enterprise yeah i, I can take that one um so you know when we think about alm for the enterprise we think about a number of things we think about um get enterprise focused services and when we say that we think that you know we treat the enterprise as a whole we offer out service across right so if you're gonna if you're gonna think about ALM at the center you have to offer things that are sustainable and it is offered out to all 
we think about capabilities because um, tools come and go, come and goes. Um, we think about, you know, what are the capabilities that uh, the office platform needs to have in place? And we plan on those base on the basis of that. Um, when we're looking to, you know, enable key features across those capabilities, um, with the outcome being that we're looking to accelerate uh, developers' ability to a, um, be, you know, begin to write code, and once they begin writing code, um, get that code out to the, you know, the marketplace or get it out to be used by customers as fast as possible. And we're looking to decrease that journey time, and you know, help enable um, capabilities that, you know allow developers to get that code out there as safe and securely in a safe and secure manner as fast as possible. Um, we when we think about the enterprise ALM, we also focus on self-service is the key thing for us. Um, we are a central team. Uh, we deal with really, really large platforms um, and self-service is a key enabler for us to be able to actually A, let developers get access to the features which they want themselves without anybody, um, without any extra steps they can do, you know, in an automated fashion. And once we do bake that automation in and have baked that automation in, it allows central teams themselves to, to focus on the platforms themselves and, and look to get and drive, you know, whether it's new features or functions, it's just, it's taking that noise away um, in, in terms of developer asks. You know, let, let developers be or be served up through self-service automation, and let the platforms teams look at driving improvements in the platform. Then the other thing for us, lastly, really is when you think about ALM at the center, it's all about resiliency, security, uh, and being able to scale out to the needs of uh, you know an organization with a, a large amount of developers. And you know, I think the last point is, you know, when you're when we think about ALM um, infidelity, there's a number of kind of, I suppose, um, differences that we deal with infidelity. Maybe the other firms um, don't deal with. One is the scale. So there, the other thing is that there's multiple different business units we're dealing with. So um, each of them have somewhat different needs, but it's about being able to um, create something at the center that meets, meets all their needs. Um, and then it's about, you know, how do we, enable these services in such a way that it's it's really all about the developer's experience and about enabling them to get really to, to get them to be able to release like i said earlier their business value as fast and securely as possible thank you what were the principles that fidelity used to enable a pipeline platform so i think you know from our perspective it, it's key for us not to kind of focus so much on the tools and the platforms that are there sure we need to it's part of our service we need to make them available we need to make them scalable and things like that but if we focus on the various different architectural pr principles that uh, we align to then whatever kind of service offering that we do produce and provide out to the firm it is scalable it is kind of plug and play in terms of like if a single tool we decide no longer to invest in that. We can just basically take it out of the stack, introduce a net new kind of uh, tool within that and still not uh, have such an impact to our kind of business unit partners that it forces them to stop and reevaluate re that journey. So I suppose, I mean, we have 12 
principles that we align to. I won't necessarily kind of list them all off, but there's a couple of things that are probably key from our perspective. Um, we've kind of talked about it already. We talked about an everything as code approach. Uh, this is from infrastructure to platform deployments to kind of the services on top of that that are made available to the consumers, to the self-service capabilities, et cetera. Everything we do is a, with an everything as code approach. Um, and then it's everything as a service with APIs. So as our consumers come in and, you know, start to adopt our tool stack, they'll do it through a very kind of um, structured format. It doesn't feel like it's constrained from a user perspective, but it allows them to get up and running very quickly because we have a set of APIs that they can interact with and be able to kind of onboard and get up and running very quickly. Um, we also do kind of full automation, pace over perfection, decoupled architecture, all of the key principles that you probably have heard from many different kind of industry standards that are out there. Um, but it definitely kind of helps us to be able to kind of ride those waves that we talked about earlier in terms of just having those cycles of change be much more reduced as um, the industry matures in this space. You also mentioned that self-service was a priority. Can you talk me through the self-service model? Yeah. So um, the way we operate, um, we are a central team managing central platforms, ALM platforms, um, and we face off to multiple different business units, right? So, you know, our model for um, self-service is, 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 you know, well, I suppose the challenge is how do you support um, at the center, um, you know, multiple different business units? Um, so for us, it's all about the developer, right? Um, and and how do we enable, uh, you know, UIs or APIs so that um, the developer can access our ALM stack, um, fully access it and fully configure it so that, um, you know, you know, our goal is really as new developer comes, in, comes into fidelity, that within that first day, they're able to get themselves set up and actually start to code up and have that ability to uh, release features to a production environment Environment if the, if the business uh, need exists. And it's just, you know, st- stepping back from that, how do you um, enable that? Um, and for us, what it is is about, you know, producing that layer across those platforms so there's a single portal that developers can go to you know, key in specifics around, you know, who they are, what team they are, what needs they um, they have, you know, um, and then it allows us to map them to a role-based setup. You know, we you know, security is key for us in fidelity. It's important that we're fast, but we have to be safe and secure. Role-based account controls are something that is very, very important that we've rolled across, rolled across our platforms. Um, so self-service for us is about giving uh, the new developers a place where they can go get set up. Um, they can enter inf- information that allows us to um, uh, serve up a role or access appropriate for who they are onto the various platforms. Um, and, and really then it's about um, kind of taking that pain away from them so the developers themselves can actually just focus on um, writing code and, and actually solving business problems other than DevOps problems. Yeah, I think it's key that like we don't force our users to onboard and interact with every platform individually, that we look at the end-to-end and we kind of leverage those roles. Like Jimmy said, I mean, a developer is a role across Fidelity. It doesn't matter what your 
you're doing from a business perspective, what applications you're producing, your role will be developer. So your access should be appropriate across the full stack. And same with, you know, other roles that we may leverage as well. And then, you know, we kind of have to kind of think a bit more in terms of being flexible with the various different developers that we do interact with. Not everybody is UI focused, but you may have certain analysts and things like that that would prefer to operate within the UI space. So we offer kind of UI and CLI API kind of offerings as well, so that depending on your comfort levels, regardless of what your preferences are, you can still come into our platform and leverage the the one-click onboarding. Awesome. Can you also explain to us what the pattern-based pipeline as a code model is? Yeah, so I I think, you know, like Jimmy kind of alluded to some of the complexity that does exist within Fidelity. It's not a single company, I would say. It's multiple companies operating under this parent umbrella. Um, So there is complexity as a result of doing that. I mean, you know, when you think about typical uh, companies in the industry, they are a single company. So they are allowed to be much more structured, much more opinionated in terms of, you know, forcing developers to go down a single path to um, do certain types of adoptions. And then you may have another approach that may just be completely um, open. Uh, and so it's up to the developers themselves to choose how they actually want to adopt and and develop and pro- progress out. With Fidelity, we kind of have a hybrid approach, really. We work with our business unit partners and they are our partners to be able to help them to standardize the usage that their developers want to do. Each one of our business units may have different levels of governance and requirements that they must operate within their own business to be able to adhere to things like SOC or, you know, audit requirements, etc. So we operate a probably a layered approach to this, um, this problem space. We have our business units produce their own set of inner source libraries and utilities. They have their own standardized pipelines and so on. Uh, and then we would kind of roll that into the platforms itself. As long as we understand the structures that operate within that business unit, we incorporate that into their experience. So then out of the box, they will be able to leverage their own pipelines, their own standard governance, and then layer in the enterprise governance layers that we helped to facilitate as well. Um, So as part of that pipeline experience, they don't have to worry about how that kind of sausage is made so much. Um, They have some amount of flexibility in how they do operate, but they're operating within the guardrails of their own business unit, plus the enterprise um, mandates as well. Understood. Thank you. Um, Now let's transition a little bit over to what your journey was like um, to enable pipeline as code capability for 12,000 developers. What was the culture like and what were some of the challenges you experienced during this transition? So I think uh, the two of us could probably jump in on this one. But when we think about where it was um, when I first joined Fidelity, I think it would probably be fair to say that there has been a huge amount of growth and that's experienced. We've gone through the various different patterns in that initially it probably was very much up to um, don't control me, allow me to do what I want to do. I will go off and, and do my own kind of um, configuration as code or pipeline as code approach. 
But as people have kind of realized the challenges within that space and how difficult it is to scale, how difficult it is to adopt, they've kind of started to realize that standardization, but within their own control and within their own inner source capabilities is the approach forward. And then we um, in the center, it's no longer really about trying to pull people towards a standardized approach, it's more enabling them to do their own self-standardization. So I think, you know, we've looked at command and control in the past and that hasn't worked and it's failed miserably. But this kind of partnership aspect that we have now in our culture um, is huge and it's allowed us to be successful within this space. Jimmy, what do you think? I think so, yeah. I think that's, that's it about how do you kind of find that balance between enabling a large organization and have some degree of discipline but creating that space for people to share and people to be able to reuse and we're almost like an external sorry an internal yield consultancy where we're help harvesting and help kind of join the dots between the organizations I mean, <clears throat> and I help you know kind of link up and uh, where you know there's a lot of really really great technologists in the firm doing a lot of really really good stuff and it's just about creating that place where it's easy for those guys to share that information um, and learn from each other i think that that's one of the um, one of the kind of key things i think there's a huge appetite for technology and fidelity there is um people are extremely inquisitive and then it's just how do you kind of create a forum where where you maximize the you know those characteristics of technologists and fidelity you kind of you are you're leveraging and harvesting the type of, you know the type of really great work they're doing and creating a place where it's easy to share it's it's easy to work together and, and you know that's 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 the one thing for us in finding that balance of, of creating you know that that forum that has helped and helped guide the culture i think one thing and it may not have been in the presentation that we did but you know while we were in the offices pre-COVID, you know, Jimmy had printed out these, um, you know, mantras for the team. And it were th was things like you build it, you own it. And, you know, there was various different things that were just, um, you know, visuals of, you know, our culture and trying to reflect that back on the team. So those are the kind of the principles that we kind of lived with on a day-to-day -day basis as we went through this journey. So I think, you know, making it uh, a radiator space where we could show these things uh, was a key thing for us. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's very important. Did he have one of those little um, posters with the little cat hanging off the branch? Hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. I mean, Jimmy's ones were, seemed to be more, uh, you know, work, 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 but you won't. <laughs> Less about, you know, here's a hug. <laughs> Yeah. Um, can you give us an update on where we are with w w since October when you delivered the first um, talk on, on this topic? Is there an update to that? Yeah, I suppose, you know, we're really kind of getting into much more looking at the, the metrics and the metadata and being able to kind of, um, you know, look at some insights as a result of that. I mean, we've got some stuff that is out of the box with the pipeline platforms. And we've got, like we had said before, it's kind of the next level of maturity in that BUs have their own levels of insights. 
but then we probably need to kind of think about, okay, what are the enterprise measurements that we want to care about and that we should make available across the, the firm? And then traceability is another key thing. And I think that this is probably something that um, in the enterprise hasn't really been tackled enough. I mean, we're not the only financial institution that's out there that have a lot of audit requirements against us, but being able to trace, especially when you get into an everything as code approach, you know, trace the different stages that an artifact has gone through, all of the different touch points and being able to then, you know, succinctly uh, produce that and provide that to auditors is is a big thing. We've gone through various different iterations of this and I think, you know, realistically we haven't been totally successful, but we still kind of strive to kind of get an easy approach to that uh, problem. Yeah, and then for us, for me at least, as we kind of go from here, you know, having established the platform, for us it's about, okay, well, how do you measure it, okay, going forward and it's an area where we're there is some out-of-the-box capabilities we're looking at. We're also looking at something, you know, we could do ourselves maybe. Um, and, and maybe some it's beyond some of the existing metrics, but it's certainly something that we have a huge interest in it because it is, um, we see it as very valuable to our business to be able to um, be able to kind of, you know, get a really, really good handle on what are, what are metrics that matter in this area and how, you know, how can we measure and value it and use it and enable it in such a way so that teams can leverage it to improve themselves. The other thing is, you know, what can we do? What other things can we do? So, so that's kind of like measuring DevOps, right? And then a second thing that we're looking at, and maybe it's longer down, uh, you know, in the future is what other things can we do to help to, with developer productivity and the developer experience? We talked about self-service. We talked about getting a developer in and being able to enable them um, on that first day so they can, you know, we we get them to a point where they can actually produce, deliver code into production. Um, what else can we do? What other capabilities and what other features um, are things we need to think about when we think about how how do we enable developers even more? It's just really, you know, we just, you know, as we as we think about this, how do we put ourselves in that mindset of the developer and, and think about what well, what are the what are other things we can do to help enable them even. Um, even further um, and help with their productivity. Well, Ava and Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to have Fidelity join us to, to give us an update on what's going on um, with, with ALM. So thank you so much. And this wraps it up. Thank you.